and welcome to another edition of The Dice Are Screaming. Oh. I'm Randy. And I am Mike. Together we form The Dice Are Screaming Podcast, and we're brought to you in part by coffee and caffeine. Well, yeah, that look, I'm brought to you by that. I'm usually uh, animated only by the judicious application of large quantities of caffeine and uh, nicotine, uh, which <laughs> is really the glue that holds me together. Yes, I hear at the Dice Screaming, we're the litigious and angry Uruguayan podcast of gaming podcasts. Oh, no. That's not us. That's not us? That's not us. Oh, darn it. We're the penniless Montebank of gaming oh. podcasts. Oh, you wound me, sir. <laughs> penniless. The penniless Montebank of gaming podcasts. Are we in penury? Close. Okay. Well, I'll live with the penniless monobank of podcasts. We, we have wheel, but no wealth. Oh, yes. So, and by the way, thank you, Wheeler Woe. Yeah, speaking of which, we yeah. had a call in. We did, and uh, it was very nice. And, uh, of course, we also had a lot of uh, feedback from the uh, Conan episode. So glad that uh, you all enjoyed that. Yeah, I'm really glad that went over well because, you know, we had some slight misgivings about going off the gaming-specific topic. Uh, we like to do inspiration and stuff like that, things that are uh, inspirational to other people's games. But, you know, you worry a little bit, bit like, well, this isn't really talking about gaming per se. But, you know, we forged ahead and we did that one because, well, I, it certainly inspired a lot of stuff at our tables. Yeah, it looms large and uh, in our imaginations and a lot in our, I think, the kind of style that we try to project. Something dangerous and yet mysterious and also old and wicked. Yes, civilization, ancient and wicked. So, that we are. So, tonight's podcast. Uh, so, I was going to think uh, we were going to talk about uh, the Bachelor Theorem. Oh, the Belucha Theorem. Belucha Theorem. Oh, all right. Or, or something of, of that nature. Yeah, it is yeah. one of those. E ecology of the least used monster in the entire monster manual. Yeah. I can remember one, and that was only from <laughs> sheer desperation. Never used, used it in a single campaign. But, the truth is, we're lying. No. no we're, <laughs> see? We're see, fooling that you. Was, that was a verbal illusion. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. There's nothing more old school than illusions. The dirtiest trick in the DM's Dirty Trick Handbook. Yeah. Who who among us here has fallen face, for, face first into something that was not an actual pit trap in the trap sense? but rather an illusion covering a you know, crevice or hole in the ground. Uh, and, <laughs> damn you, DM, I know you had them smear those spikes with poop. Now I got yeah. septicemia. Cleric! <laughs> you see a pit with something glittering at the bottom of it. It could be jewels, or it could be jewel-encrusted spikes. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to jump in to find out. <laughs> Who would put jewels on their spikes? I would. <laughs> the cruelest DMs imaginable. Yeah. But illusions, yeah, they are just a classic favorite. They're true D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. uh, they are infinitely flexible depending on your level of imagination. Uh, not to pass the buck too much to the DM, but 
But let's face it, uh, you're really only capped on uh, how far is your imagination willing to go. Mm -hmm. um, because there's a variety of illusion spells, many of which have retained their approximate description uh, from the infancy of D&D into the modern era. So uh, DMs, definitely, you know, take note. The illusion is your weapon and your shield. It is, it is the art of getting away with lying to player characters and making them not trust their own senses. Exactly. Now you have your mimics and trappers and lurker bulbs and all them kind of creatures that, you know, oh, you thought this room was safe. Safe room indeed. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are monsters, and yeah, they can fool your players, but, you know, they can strike back at them. Whereas illusions, a little bit trickier. And they require a deft hand, and for some, they can be just as troublesome as any other monster. But well played, the illusion is your big tool, is your go-to tool, and a lot of times for disguising things and making players second-guess themselves, as Mike said. So I'm just repeating what you went off of. But, but yeah, I mean, it's worth mentioning that uh, <clears throat> you've got various creatures uh, as player character races that have advantages when it comes to recognizing stonework or finding secret doors, things like that. Note that their powers do not include the ability to see through illusions. Uh, oh, sure, you've got information and, uh, and a plumb bob and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> and a ten-foot pole. Yeah, yeah, but uh, if you don't indicate as a player that you disbelieve like you think something's fishy and uh, you're trying to pierce through what you think might be some spell-based veil of illusions, uh, the DM is under no obligation to inform you otherwise. So uh, this has been a talent we've abused handily. <laughs> yeah, and there are some common sense lim limits, but you know where would we be in gaming without... I roll to disbelieve! It just can't be true! <laughs> yeah, we're first level. No way he'd put a dragon in, like, room one, entering the dungeon. Nope, it's just a worn-out gnome con man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, insisting that you each drop a thousand pieces of gold. Uh, or the dragon will burn you alive. Just to see how many people fall for it. <laughs> yeah, there are a number of illusions in the uh, AD&D and uh, Dungeons Dragons game. Which, you know, started, what, Phantasmal Force and go all the way up to, jeez, uh, Mirage Arcana, I think, is the highest realm. Uh, oh, highest that's right. That was, uh, uh, creates a full setting that might yeah. as well be effectively real and that people can interact with, and it seems completely legitimate. Legal. Yeah. No it, tr easy trace of illusion unless you're detecting magic. Right, or have a need to disbelieve. So, yeah, Mirage Arcana can literally trap you in a world of that illusion it's creating. But that's direct player character stuff, and that's kind of like out of the realm of what we're going to talk about. But we will talk about the illusions in a minute. But uh, I think that it's best to talk about the use of illusion. In the early days, it was just illusion in italics. You know, it was just like, this is an illusion. It could be a red dragon sleeping on a pile of treasure that is actually an empty room goading players to throw out their uh, best spells and high-level items to annihilate <laughs> the 
offending dragon while it's sleeping, only to have the dragon in the next chamber completely awakened, and now the players have loosed their best shots yeah. at nothing. <coughs> they've thrown everything they've got at, uh, you know, shadow and uh, trickery, only to give a handy, timely alert to the creature next door. Wow, that was a lot of fireballs. They must have some levels behind them. Yeah. I'm glad I wasn't in that room. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. And so, you know, you kind of come out with this idea that the illusion was there as a, like a trap that might not necessarily be as lethal, depending on what it was concealing, you know. Some could be a big uh, treasure room, and you'd walk in, like, trying to pick up stuff and find out it's, you know, the floor is made of lava, because it's really lava. <laughs> or, worse still, uh, uh, the floor not only doesn't look like lava, but is lava. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, or that uh, that twenty foot walkway over a dangerous precipice has an area missing that is <laughs> supplanted exclusively by illusion. Oops! What do you mean a fall to the bridge? Well, you just kind of fall to the bridge. Yeah. And if the player didn't state that they were disbelieving or having any taken any precaution safeguard against such things. It's like I uh, send the thief ahead to check for traps, or I cast to detect magic to see if anything glows, or if, if they're not using any of those tools, oh. <laughs> well, then they've just handed you free reign. <laughs> yeah, to further muddy the waters and just say, you know, walk off the side for a minute, the uh, detect illusion and detect magic spells were different, because you could only detect illusion with a detect illusion. So that was to foil those smarty pants wizards casting tech magic willy-nilly not left and right. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten. Uh, now, the detect illusion was much more specific. Yes. Uh, and clearly gave an indicator, not that magic was present in the room, but that magic of an illusion nature was Im- employed and where. Yeah. Uh, a, a much clearer spell. I believe that was uh, more of your 1.5 era. Uh, yeah, that was that was first. Yeah, one. I mean, yeah, I think on Earth's Darkena or. Geez, been a while. Uh, yeah, I think the players. Yeah, the Earth's Darkena might have had the detect illusion where they made it more prevalent. But either way, there was a difference between how illusions and magic worked. But that's really not the thing. The the thing was that they tried to preserve the. Uh, Aura of the illusion, so it wasn't so easy to detect. But it did lead to a lot of players to say, I roll to disbelieve <laughs> when seeing something because they have been tricked so often. You know, you come into a room, there's a silvery light shining down on a single pedestal on which sits a jeweled chalice of inestimable value. And they would be like, I roll to disbelieve. Yeah, that is totally like, it's probably like some lake of acid or there's some monster under there. I, I don't believe or- or the only thing that you have deployed uh, is uh, <laughs> uh, invisible poisonous spiders crawling up and down the treasure. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Uh, you know, concealing things is an art. I mean, the spell invisibility or, you know, impermanence uh, is a worthy... Yep, uh, and, and that's also another misdirection. But permanent delusions were possible. Uh, oh, programmed... What was the term for that? Programmed image? or pro- no, yeah. Projected image is one. Programmed illusion, illusion was the other. 
that could be set to trigger at a very specific time and under very key circumstances. I was always fond of those. Yes, and then there's the also obscure spell, Audible Glamour, which is pretty much the sum of our podcast. <laughs> We're tricking you. Um, yeah, Audible Glamour was another form of illusion. It was an audible illusion, which you could imitate in a number of things, from the sound of crashing doors or splintering wood to even tromping boots. Yeah, something fray-like, you know, the, the sounds of chaos and... Uh, skullduggery underfoot. You know, what's that over there? It sounds like somebody's busting into the storeroom. Uh, and it was left suitably nebulous. Yeah. Uh, and, again, these were all kinds of the tricks and of the trade of being a dungeon master creating an underground maze. Now, we really didn't worry at the time who cast these illusions or what for, you know, hey, this dungeon comes pre-equipped with illusions. Oh, wow, that, that really uh, ups the sale value of this dungeon. <laughs> oh, my dungeon realtor will appreciate the extra effort. <laughs> yes, this is a four-level dungeon with uh, a secondary entrance into the Underdark. It has several... Suitable layers for large creatures, including numerous illusions. Ooh, well, we were just looking for a new dungeon with some illusions. Including luxurious private quarters, cordoned off from the more uh, reckless creatures. Uh-huh. All for your dungeon convenience. Yep, so, you know, illusions, uh, at first were kind of nebulous about what they could do. It was pretty much up to the DM and then the illusionist class and players handling now, but... The Monster Manual was filled with many types of illusion-casting creatures. Now, a lot of the Fey ones, yes. you know, your pixies and uh, whatnot, they had illusionary powers, mostly just to kind of befuddle people. But uh, some of the more sinister creatures that I can remember is the Yafriki, or as you like to call them, burning dicks. Yeah, yeah the burning sensations. Uh, yeah, they are, uh, well, one, for starters, they're evil. Okay, Ifriti are not to be trifled with lightly. Uh, number two, if they're angry at you for any reason, like, I don't know, somebody holding them prisoner and trying to get a wish out of them, which, surefire way to honk off an Ifrit. Uh, <laughs> and you may find yourself with uh, an Ifrit not bothering to let you know that he's following the party around. Uh, <laughs> or, yeah, you ask him for treasure and he creates treasure that is illusionary. Yeah, that... He grants false wishes. Uh, you know, there's nothing like the power of illusion wielded uh, as a cruel, cruel form of vengeance uh, by a creature that despises the party and wants them to suffer. Uh, number two, the Lamia. Oh, yeah, the Lamia. Yeah, they can create like an, a, a lush oasis and appear as comely maidens or uh, welcoming wise women. And... Guile you in and then sap your willpower. She loved him up and turned him into a horny toad. Well, she did more than that. <laughs> she strung him upside down, slit his throat, and drained him of all the blood which he drank, and then carved pieces off his flesh to dine upon at her leisure. Ah, uh, that's pretty Lamia like. Uh, yeah, sorry we went dark there for a moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> loving him up like a horny toad would be getting <laughs> off light. Yeah, the Lamia is not uh, kidding around. They are flesh eating uh, creatures that have enormous malice and a love of, you know, pain and suffering. So they are all about lure in the prey and then feast. <clears throat> yeah, once uh, their wisdom is lowered to three, you do what they say. And uh, 
Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, <coughs> they are nothing to be tampered with by player characters. There are other creatures with devil powers, though. Or, or sorry, illusion powers, and that's like devils. devils. Yeah. All of them. Pretty much all the devils, save for the least lowest, uh, poorly ranked devils, have some form of illusion power. Yeah, your bone and uh, horn and uh, the Aranese, yeah, they all have an illusion. They, again, to disguise whatever it is they wish you to believe and long enough to get close or disguise what it is that they're doing. Yeah, they've got a lot to conceal, though. Uh, in particular, the Aranese are uh, prone to be sent to the mortal realms to tempt people into wickedness. Uh, so going equipped with that illusion power is much to their benefit. Mm -hmm. uh, not to mention, I believe they had a little bit of, uh, what is it, change self. You know, a little shape-morphing talent. Yeah. Uh, and that's another form of minor deception. I mean, it's not in the classic illusion sense, because it, uh, it doesn't merely illusionarily conceal one's appearance. Uh, it alters one's appearance. So it's kind of worth just a little side note. Well, they are more uh, polymorph self. Ah, right? that was it. The polymorph self power yeah. to take a shape that is more pleasing than, like, oh, you are clearly from hell. I can smell brimstone coming off you. That's a thing that they got to watch out for. And uh, the kind DM, and I'm not saying I'm not always a kind DM, I'm just saying that kinder DMs than me uh, will throw out little tidbit hints when illusions are present. Uh, but they have to be subtle, because if you use the same phrase or the same description over and over again, players will begin to twig to it, and then they'll just be on autopilot. Like, if he says these words, we know the room has got an illusion in it. Don't let him have that. Uh, but a little description of an odor being off, tucked in amidst the description of the, the charging creature. Or, you know, nearly as you recall, those creatures... Uh, exhibit uh, powerful musk, uh, but this entire team of uh, troglodytes appears to have no odor. That's your warning shot. That's all you get, and that's, you know, just about all the warning I give regarding an illusion that didn't have an old factory component. Yeah, and of course all the... Uh, Manufactured in an old factory. Oh, old factory too. Exactly, and... You know, my favorite creature for just messing with players in general is the Rakshasa, which is a different type of illusionary. God, they are scum. so classy. Yeah, they are. You know, they've always got those nice smoking jackets, you know, carefully coiffured, you know, ascots, you know, tucked in, you know. Swab tiger dude that just, like, is, yeah, I'm totally lawful evil and eat human flesh. But that doesn't mean we don't have to be civilized about this. Right, and, uh, you know, they have uh, the ability to not only to use, uh, as it was called back in the day, ESP, but create an illusion of what those they encounter most deem friendly. Yeah. So they were even a little bit more sinister than doppelgangers, because not only did they have an agenda, but they were highly efficient at finding out what it was that you would find least harmful. So, a lot of illusionary creatures were in the early Monster Manual, and also throughout many of the traps and tricks, illusions factored in heavily. But again, as Mike said, you know, you wanted to have a certain type of atmosphere that players could sometimes feel like something was amiss. Like, if you pick up that 
uh, chest of gold and heave it up. Yeah, in your mind, it be you believe it's heavy. Oh, this chest is so heavy. But, uh, you know, when you begin to interact with an illusion, that's when it started to be adjudicated that maybe you could detect something was off. But that was the DM more rolling for the players than it was the player actively rolling. Saying, like, I yeah, attempt to disbelieve them. If you involve them so directly in the process that they know something is up, you've kind of spoiled the effect. So it's one of those moments where the DM has got to exercise some discretion in private, where, you know, give them a chance. Uh, you know, you got a character with a really high wisdom score. Uh, you know, maybe they notice something's something's not quite right here. Yeah, but don't I, don't just hand it out to a man. I I've never yeah, no, I just oh, roll saving throws. You pick up the chest. No, I would roll for them. And I also gave, like, characters over 5th to 7th level a chance, a basic uh, saving uh, secret to notice an illusion because it was kind of assumed at that point you'd been around the block a bit and know that sometimes things just aren't as they appear. But other times, um, you jump into that glowing pool of <laughs> magic water and it turns out to be pure, nothing but caustic acid. That's still <laughs> an illusion. So. But... As that said, uh, as illusions became powerful, a lot of players began to look at the spell Phantasmal Force and began to want to get that and try to turn the, the tricks on the DM, which bears fair play. Oh, but... absolutely. That, look, uh, it's a legitimate spell description. Uh, it obviously has some limitations spelled out you know, fairly clearly in the rules, but there's some wiggle room where adjudication is called for. Uh, but I unilaterally support you. Know, good for the goose, good for the gander. If the players have a really good con going and they come up with a good illusion-based racket, I respect that. Yeah, like that gnome, deep illusionist, casting phantasmal force of a sleeping dragon. Yeah. With audible glamour. Now, that's when the illusionist class started to appear. Uh, I think it was first uh, in dragon, but then later it was in formalized world. Anyhow, you know, the Joe running joke is illusionist. Unarmed and mostly harmless. Or Ralph the Illusionist, who <laughs> gesticulates for a great period of time while casting Phantasmal Force to make swirling, multicolored sparks fly from his hands at the end of his staff, as if he was conjuring a great spell that's almost to completion. Yeah, you know, that. I don't want to be here when that goes off. He's been doing that for 20 minutes. Uh. <laughs> it all goes well until somebody calls his bluff and shoots him but, in the face with a crossbow. Yeah, that's uh, worth noting. I... All right, DM confessional moment. Uh-oh. Going to go back to the, the dawn of history. Uh, way back. Yeah, way back to my, my gamer birth. We, we carved dice from stone back then. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, we were rolling them bones. Mm. The very first character I played was an illusionist. Yes, yes it was. And, uh... Astonin. Mm-hmm. Uh... Who met a terrible fate at level three? Uh, Poor guy. Not really well suited for solo play. Uh, <laughs> I had not really, you know, carefully measured out uh, what it took to be an illusionist. Much better backed up by a party. Uh, not so much for solo adventure, because it's surprisingly easy to run into things in D&D that will devour your three-hit dice pretty handily. Yeah. Especially if your three-hit dice are mostly four-siders. Uh, you're not even amped up by a familiar. <laughs> yeah, just remember, at, sub, at the 14th level, an illusionist in first edition could learn four 
four first level magic user spells at the cost of one seventh level spell. So if that didn't tell you where the illusionist stood in the ranks of the arcane casters, I don't know what did. Yeah. <sighs> but however, I will say this in defense of the illusionist. Uh, first level getting phantasmal force, and then uh, third level spectral force, we could actually inflict real damage, even if they made a partial save. Or partial damage, even if they made a save, because it was psychosomatic or whatever you want to call it. And then finally, illusions that were almost impossible to detect at the highest levels. Um, it did make them formidable and useful. Oh, terrific opponents to throw at your player characters when the pre-generated opponent is higher level and has access to those high-quality spells. Darned hard to keep alive long enough as a player character uh, to get to those. Well, yeah, definitely. But terrific opponents. I love using a high-power illusionist as part of a team of enemies mm -hmm. uh, because it just opens up a whole can of things that you can employ as a DM. Dirty tricks galore. Galore. <laughs> yes, indeed. And that is the point of the Illusionist was it was a very creative class. Although, uh, when second edition and later editions rolled around, they were just specialists, but they still contained a lot of the punch. And their illusions, uh, still today, the Illusionist is a valued member of the party, although a little... It requires a little bit more deft hand to play, just like as it does to adjudicate an illusion as a dungeon master, as a player. You can't go too ham with it. If you get, especially at the lower level illusions, you just can't throw everything at, like, I make a fireball up here. Well, it doesn't have any real heat, so they'll get an automatic save because I'm supposed to be on fire. Oh, oh, oh. Nope, yeah, it doesn't seem to hurt. Yeah, but if you make a, uh, wall of roaring flames some distance away from them, they will, you know, most most likely, most monsters are like, well, I'm not going to go down there. You're going to go down there? No, not me. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are subtle ways to use illusions that don't necessarily easily clue in people that something is going wrong. Oh, jeez. I mean, it wouldn't be a discussion about illusions if we didn't mention the Mackenzie Brothers character, Razik. Razik the Red-Handed, yes. The Gnome Thief Illusionist. One of the vilest combinations in the game. They're not so bad at first level when they are just got a little tricky spell here and there. You get up to about that 5-5 five, five split, and they mm. are pulling off some stuff that is just fiendish. Uh, <laughs> made me envy that ever since. Because uh, I've seen it used ruthlessly and to great effect. Uh, not merely against enemies, but also against fellow players. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, may, Jolly Blackburn and the Knights of the Table may have joined in Coin Crawler as their nemesis, but in our campaigns, beware Razik the Red-Handed. Or Razik the Red, as he would call himself. Or, as I nicknamed him, Razik the Really Rotten. Uh, <laughs> because he was never good news. Uh, I should have nicknamed him Wildfire. Mm -hmm. Bad news, or they, they nicknamed him Bad News. Well, every time he came to town, it was bad news. Yeah. Yep. Always just shamming everybody out of everything. I mean, just literally merchants, he would... Yeah, Fool's gold, the whole sham. Man. I don't think he spent a single real coin in the entire campaign. Yep. Just, no, no, I'm happy to pay whatever your price is. Oh, jeez, I already know where he's going with this. Another fistful of fake gold. 
<laughs> just buying stuff like crazy. <laughs> then, all right, we, we really need to not stay here. We need to move out of town, like tonight. <laughs> yeah, that was it. also his alter <laughs> self posing as other members of the party to pay to incur debts. Yeah, racking up debts, getting credit on stuff. Then the bills come due, and they come knocking at the doors of other player characters who are like, "What? What do you mean? I God, totally did this. I didn't buy Elven chainmail, <laughs> much less on credit." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you get Elven chainmail on credit. I need to talk to your creditor. Anyway, the. The big thing is, just like with any good campaign, you're going to have some characters that come in here. Always put a gnome illusionist thief somewhere in there. Even if it's an arcane trickster. You know, just... <laughs> you won't be sorry. You can mess with players until the cows come home and you'll never get tired of it. They will, but... Oh, you know. oh yeah. I mean, seriously. Uh, the, the third or fourth time that they've been robbed of cash, uh, they will get tired of it. Uh, if they weren't tired the first time, they will soon be exhausted of that kind of thing. But it doesn't have to end there. But once again, uh, that's another fun moment for the DM, because not all your enemies have to be evil. They can just be greedy. Mm -hmm. uh, their their rip-offs can be non-fatal, uh, which leaves them with the, uh, you know, alignment quandary. Well, we can't hang him up and, you know... Uh, Beat him like a pinata. Cover him in lard and leave him in an owlbear pen. Oh, um, we could, though. <laughs> uh, but we we do want to get even with this guy. Yeah. We're taking everything you have. Uh, okay. 90% of it, illusionary. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That jerk. But I think that will sum it up for illusions for us. Yeah, I think we've covered the topic reasonably well. Uh, so, throw a few illusions in your dungeon, you know? Yeah. Play an illusionist, specialist, magic user. You know, have some fun. At least every few adventures, there should be a nice uh, illusion trick going on somewhere. And like so many other things that we've mentioned, uh, a thing that is a useful tool, don't overplay it, you know? If it shows up every single week they're at the table, it spoils the surprise. Yeah, but the world's always better with a little bit of illusion behind A little it. trickery and deception, and a little encouragement to question what's going on around you. Don't be too sure. It could be an illusion. All right, then, that's going to do it for us. We hope you have a good weekend. And again, if you have any comments or questions or concerns, you can all forward them to us at the Dicer Screaming Facebook page. We will accept your bellicose thundering. Oh! <laughs> and? And you may damn us with faint praise. Yes. If you wish. We like, we like praise. Um, you can get us a hold of us at Twitter, too, at Death Hand Gaming. That's D-E-T-H Gaming at and Twitter. Magi Vox at Twitter. Yeah, send us a direct message or just leave us a tweet. Any one of our accounts, we'll pick it up and uh, run with it. Send or, a DM to the DM. All right. I like that. But we hope you have a good weekend. Have gaming in front of you. And may the dice, dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya.